Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Exploring the Lord of the Rings. Uh, I'm. This is session number 239 of Exploring the Lord of the Rings, uh, and uh, we are ready to go for another evening. Um, so uh, good to be back with you guys. I know I've been a little intermittent lately because things have been really crazy uh, with... Uh, uh, with stuff. Rings and Realms has been so much fun uh, to film and to do um, during the Rings of Power season, but it's but it's kind of a lot of work. I was in the studio for like 10 hours yesterday uh, filming that. Um, well, working on it, developing it, and filming it. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm glad you guys are enjoying Rings and Realms. Actually, I had a, a thing I wanted to make sure to tell you guys about. Um, and I know this is going to be a terrible tease uh, to many of you who are geographically remote from New England, but uh, should you happen to be able to be or to get yourself into the area, next week, of course, um, not this week, but next week is the finale episode of season one of The Rings of Power. So we're doing a special thing because as it happened, by chance, we were already planning to have New England moot. Uh, New England moot is happening on the Saturday the 15th. Um, and we're holding it at the studio where we film Rings and Realms. We've been planning to do that for months, long before they announced the schedule. Then, of course, they announced the schedule, um, and we find that the finale of Rings and Realms is in fact... Or, sorry, the well, it is the finale of Rings and Realms, but uh, we found that the finale of the Rings of Power Season 1 is scheduled for that very week, so that, in fact, the finale episode is going to be airing, um, like, you know... 36 hours before we're going to be in New England moot in the studio. So, um, what we're planning to do, we're going to do, we're doing a separate special event. So, New England moot is still happening on Saturday the 15th. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be at the studio and it's going to be awesome. Um, love New England moot. Love the folks uh, who come out for New England moot. Um, but we're going to do this other thing as well. So, on the Friday the 14th of October, um, we're going to do a special. Um, finale event uh, for Rings and Realms. Um, so we're going to be at the studio. Um, uh, so the studio that uh, uh, we've been working with, our marvelous studio, uh, is Studio Lab in Derry, New Hampshire. Um, so at Studio Lab in Derry, New Hampshire, on Friday the 14th, we're going to do a live studio audience recording of the finale episode of Rings and Realms. Um, so folks who come to this other event um, can be involved from beginning to end. Absolutely the beginning, meaning we're going to do a live watch party on the Thursday night, late Thursday night, uh, when the episode drops. And then we're going to do... Um, uh, so we'll watch it together. We'll do a live discussion afterwards. Um, and then on Friday, we'll uh, start... Uh, planning and setting up the episode so you guys can all be backstage there at the studio. Indeed, it's going to be more than just a backstage pass or a studio audience seat. You'll be able to be involved in discussions and brainstorming as we, of course, have to figure out um, what to say in the episode like, you know, 12 hours after the episode has aired for the first time, right? That's kind of how we roll uh, <laughs> in doing this thing. Um, and so then we're going to be we're going to be um, um, uh, uh, filming then that day. Maggie's going to be in town. Uh, so Maggie's going to be there uh, for this event too. So she and I will both be present uh, for the final episode. So we're going to film Maggie's segments and my segments and we're going to do uh, a whole bunch of um, 
uh, a whole bunch of really fun extra stuff. I mean, if you guys have been watching Rings and Realms, you know that we kind of uh, have fun doing extra little things. We're kind of adding on extra things every week. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, so we might have like, uh, we might film scenes with extras. We, I, we Who knows? We're going to be doing some live Q&A. Um, uh, so anyhow, this is going to all be stuff uh that's going on oh, you like the, the the under the table uh thing emily that was that was funny uh yeah i i had i had uh i had fun with that um so um anyway so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do all this so we're gonna be in the studio together all day of course also maggie and i have our twitter um our twitter thing uh where we're doing um our twitter after uh, reaction show um uh where hopefully we're gonna we're Hopefully we'll be able to arrange to get a, uh, a, a cast guest for that. Um, so you guys can be backstage for that and another broadcast that I'm doing on Twitch. And, um, and uh, again, so just like all day, you guys can kind of be hanging out with us at the studio, uh, taking part in the process and watching the filming. It is super cool, uh, uh, all of this stuff. So it's going to be really great to, uh, uh, you know, kind of have have everybody around as sort of part of the team that day. Tickets are really limited for this because we it's not a huge room. I mean, it's a pretty big room, but it's not a massive room, um, so we can't seat hundreds of people, so um, there's sort of limited seats, but um, I hope that folks can come. There's a, a discounted price for people who are also coming to New England Moot the next day. Uh, so anyway, um, that's all happening next week. Uh, so I just wanted to make sure that you guys knew about that, uh, cause it's going to be a really fun opportunity. And as I say, I know it's a bit of a tease to folks who are far away, um, because it's hard to get yourself physically to New Hampshire and there's not really, there's not going to be a hybrid version of this one. Um, there is for New England moot, so you can attend New England moot, um, and the things that are going to be happening there, but, um, but it's, there's not going to really be an opportunity for hybrid stuff. It's going to be too, ad hoc and sort of pell-mell <laughs> during the day. So, um, anyway, uh, there, uh, that's what's going on. So someone was asking, uh, you know, am I still going to be doing the Twitch broadcast on Thursday night? Um, when the episode drops mostly, it won't be the same because I won't be here home, you know, sitting in front of my computer watching with you guys. Um, I'll be at the studio and we'll be watching live. I'll still do the watch party so that we can still, uh, have the chat together while we're going. That'll be up and running while, um, and some of the people in the live audience will probably be participating in the chat as well. Um, and uh, and then I'll, I will brought, I'll be doing a Q&A mostly, uh, d- discussion mostly with the people in the room, I think, afterwards. I may try to check questions from the, uh, the chat room as well uh, as I go. That might be a little bit harder under the circumstances, but at the very least, we'll broadcast that live. Um, so uh, anyway, yeah. Okay, so uh, questions about... Oh, so are we going to have Rings and Realms episodes uh, between seasons? Probably something like that. We're kind of working that out. We're not really sure. Um, though I think for Thoughtless, I saw you saying we should have uh, DVD extras. Actually kind of planning some of that. So there's there are several things. Um, there are several, several things that we've really wanted to do or wanted to film that we've not had a chance to do uh, because there's not time. I mean, it's so frantic. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, we've had... We had the last two weeks, we've had somebody, you know, we've been filming on Monday, um, finishing up by, you know, last week we finished up by nine, 10 o'clock. This week we finished up at one. Um, 
a.m. and uh, you know who then just stayed and edited all night uh, basically to push it out on Tuesday. So um, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, there's a lot of work goes into this, and uh, and of course all of it is volunteer. Uh, you know we're all volunteering our time, so everybody else has other stuff you know going on in between and everything. So um, there's been a bunch of ideas that we have of of uh, segments that we want to do, uh, extra bonus segments that we want to do that we just have wished to do. Um, I even had one all scripted out for this week, but we just we couldn't get that. It wasn't the shooting time. It was the editing time uh, that we didn't have time for. Um, so those were probably going to, um, we're probably going to do up in between seasons and release those as extras. So I definitely, uh, I definitely think um, that's um, going to happen for sure. So there will certainly be some things uh, that will be uh, released in between but we're kind of we're taking that one step at a time. I'm going to get through these next two weeks, uh, and then there's more stuff going on for the rest of October, and then I have some sleep scheduled for November, and that'll be good. Um, but um, uh, the Other Minds and Hands is definitely going to be continuing uh, as we go through. Um, so, uh, so yeah, lots of, um, lots of stuff um, that's going to... Uh, that's going to be happening. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. I, I, lots of plans are are in flux, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna see what we could do. There's a whole bunch more that we could do. Um, we are still um, using only a fraction of the capabilities of that studio. Um, the problem is, like, it's a fully 3D environment that we can do. Like, we could actually film me in the midst of Numenor. We could. I could be interacting with digital objects, you know, on screen. Like, um, there's a lot of things that we could be doing um, in the context of, which would be really fun for uh, sort of explaining and discussing and talking about things. Um, but, uh, but you know, we're trying to get access to some of the 3D assets from the show, which is what we would need. So anyway, lots of stuff that we're kind of working on and uh, hoping to make some progress with and everything. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, for Thoughtless, it's true. I, the time when I was, like my first couple of years as an assistant professor were certainly some of the most sleep deprived I think they were the most sleep-deprived years of my life, not least because I also had a one-year-old at the time. <laughs> but um, uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, there they were very sleep-deprived days back then, but uh, things have been tolerably busy. Um, uh, anyhow, uh, awesome, yeah. Doris Struck, thanks for uh, posting that. Yes, that's the uh, Studio Lab website. It's pretty fun. Um, so, um, anyhow... Um, Yes. So as I say, I just want to let you guys know that that was happening. Um, lots of fun things coming up. Don't forget about Middle Moot this weekend, right? So there's, or I'm going to be in Kansas City this weekend uh, for Middle Moot. Uh, can't wait to get back to Kansas City. Haven't been there for four years, so I'm looking forward to getting back to... Uh, um, looking forward to getting back to Kansas City this weekend, and then next week is the uh, New England stuff uh, up at the studio and the finale episode, and um, that's going to be great. Dollar Store, I've always wanted to go to a Royals game in Kansas City. I've never gotten the chance yet. I don't think I'm going to get a chance this weekend either, uh, but uh, I've always... But I do console myself with barbecue when I go out there as I've kind of decided that Kansas City barbecue is really my favorite in the whole country. So, um, anyway... 
we'll, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So anyhow, that's, uh, that's, that's where I know it's a bold statement run, but I, I, I spent the first year we did regional moots. Uh, I spent, you know, I, 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 I did some research. <laughs> I, I, I did some investigations, uh, as I was traveling around the country for the regional moots. And I have to say, I have to say hard to beat Kansas city, hard to beat Kansas city. Um, yeah, I know. But yeah, evil Dr. Cannon and probably other Texans are not real happy with that statement. But it's I love Texas barbecue, really do. Um, I have a tradition whenever I go to Texas. The first place I go from from the airport is a barbecue place, right? If I can possibly manage it. Uh, but um, uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyhow, Middle Mood is going to be great fun uh, this weekend. And for folks who aren't, who can't make it to Kansas City or who can't make it to uh, New England the next weekend for the next Mood, um, we those are going to be broadcast uh, uh, as well, so that you can attend those remotely uh, if uh, if you would like. But all right, um, let's um, let's dig back into the text. So. Um, remember that we just had Aragorn and Sam seeing the birds flying overhead. So we got the description of the birds flying overhead last time. Um, and then he uh, jumped up, right? Strider uh, then leaps up and, and goes straight over to Gandalf. And so here we have um, uh, here we have the exchange between the two of them, which I've been looking forward to. All right. Regiments of black clo- clothes. Regiments of black crows are flying over all the land between the mountains and the Grey Flood, he said, and they have passed over Holland. They are not natives here. They are Crabine out of Fangorn in Dunland. I do not know what they are about. Possibly there is some trouble away south from which they are fleeing, but I think that they are spying out the land. I have also glimpsed many hawks flying high up in the sky. I think we ought to move again this evening. Holland is no longer wholesome for us. It is being watched." And in that case, so is the Redhorn Gate," said Gandalf. "And how can we get over? And how we can get over that without being seen? I cannot imagine. But we will think of that when we must. As for moving as soon as it is dark, I am afraid that you are right. Luckily, our fire made little smoke and had burned low before the Crabine came," said Aragorn. "It must be put out and not lit again." All right. Okay. So. Um, There is much that is not said in these paragraphs. And here is where I, one of these places where I want to be really careful, right? Um, What exactly is happening here, right? Um, Regiments of black crows are flying over all the land between the mountains and the gray flood. Um, and by the way, if we glance ahead at our map again, which I will am like never planning to take down uh, from my slideshow here, um, the gray flood, also called the Guathlo, right? Is the, so you've got the Bruinen and the 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 Horwell, right? The Loudwater and the Horwell, um, which combine here to make the the Grey Flood, right? And that goes all the way down to the ocean by Londire, which was the landing of the Numenorians. But um, where they are in Holland, 
that's really quite a distance, right? Aragorn is claiming that these crows that they saw are flying, searching over all the land between the mountains and the Grey Flood. That's a long space, right? That is a huge area that is being covered, carpeted by these crows, right? Um, and uh, so that's one really interesting point. Um, notice, by the way, of course, Sam has no idea about this region, right? He's never been here before. This is way beyond uh, the limit of his geography, right? Um, so what he sees the crows doing does not convey much to his mind, apart from the fact that the crows are, creepy, are, are creepy, intimidating, and not acting normally, right? This is deeply unnatural crow behavior. And uh, we've, you know, we, we've been getting the scene, as we have discussed, mostly from Sam's perspective so far, right? Um, Strider, watching the same performance that Sam saw, has, uh, has much more data than Sam had, right? And the first thing that he mentions is not where the crows come from, but where they're searching, right? They're flying over all the land between the mountains and the Grey Flood. A systematic search is being performed through this whole region, and they have passed over Holland. Um, I, I'm not sure whether that means, and they've been, you know, and they've been here, or whether this means, but, but we're okay now, right? Um, I, probably both to some extent. Like, they have passed over Holland in the sense, like, they're gone now, right? Um, but, um, you know, or, or is it simply like, and this was included in, a, in their search? When I look at this, though, there are a couple things here. So, yes, I believe he has deduced the pattern of the search from his observation. Um, yes. Bjorning, that's just what I think. Um, I think that he can, again, he knows the land, um, and he can, he has good eyes, right? Um, and he's able to see, before they duck down under the bushes even, he was able to see the patterns of their flights. And so I think that he is, and obviously I think there's some estimating going on here, right? That there's some, um, perhaps a little bit of guesswork on his part, but based on how far their sweeps seem to be taking them from where he could see, um, and remember, there was, they've been seeing, in the place where they are in Holland, they're clearly relatively high up, right? I mean, we've been, we've seen vistas described. I mean, think about how far away um, they're seeing the crows coming. So it's not like they're behind hills and stuff like that, right? Um, so clearly he can see far enough that he's able to estimate, yeah, I think they're, I think they're, their sweeps are going all the way to the Grey Flood, right? Um... I, too, Bjorning, imagine that Aragorn knows the map very well and has a keen sense of direction and distance. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I, Josh, I do think that there's... He does have a limited vantage point. I mean, he's not, I, he's not like, at a high watch point, necessarily. Um, but, um, but remember that when he left the camp, which is in that sort of dell enclosed by holly trees, it seems. Um, he did go out and up, right? So there was some kind of a vantage point. So again, I don't think he's in the bottom of a valley. I don't think he's obstructed by hills. I think he's able to get somewhere where he can see a far enough distance. And of course, the crows are not 
always flying that low, right? So I think he's able to see, or again, at least estimate that it looks like this is not just, they didn't just pass over here, which is why I think, um, uh, which is why I think I'm now suspecting all of a sudden that I've been misreading this sentence my whole life. <laughs> that is, I've always read this as a statement of alarm, right? Um, I'm not sure it is. Any, I mean, mild alarm, perhaps, but not urgency. Um, there is um, there's good news, I think, to be gleaned from Aragorn's report here, right? Um, if regiments of black crows are flying over all the land between the mountains and the Grey Flood. Again, I always had the vague sort of assumption in my head, I think, because I've never really sat down and thought through this paragraph before. Um, but exactly, Chris, that's exactly it. The good news is they didn't come here directly and are searching a wide area. Yeah, exactly. Um, basically, a conclusion you can take from this sentence is whoever is searching for us has no idea where we actually are, right? I mean, they are searching hundreds of square miles. So really, what the regiments of crows are doing is attempting to rule out that they're in this whole quadrant of Eriador, right? It's not exactly a quadrant, but this whole section of Eriador, right? Um, which is really pretty broad, pretty broad. And again, if we... Um, uh, it's 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 especially that last bit, and they have passed over Holland. That seems a little bit, um, sort of uncertain, to me. Um, and that is, again, I don't think I, I always took that to be alarming, but I don't think it is. I don't think it is alarming, right? Um, they're searching this whole area. They're gone now, right? They've passed over here. This was included in their search because it's between the mountains and the Grey Flood, but um, they've not singled it out, right? So I don't think he's—I don't think he's saying we've been spotted. We have to run, right? Nor I think is he saying like we've been betrayed. They know where we are, right? Or like they must have found some—you know—they're going to like pick up our trail at any time or something like that. Um, I think the the purport of his message here is simply Holland is no, no longer wholesome for us. It is being watched. That is, we are in danger here. We now have very good evidence that the enemy is watching this area. We just saw it happen, right? There's no other explanation for that thing, right? For what just happened there. Um, uh, there's no other explanation uh, than... Uh, then that this whole area is being hunted through, and they may come back, right? They might do a, another sweep. They might try to search a different way, right? Um, uh, the enemy is vigilant, and, and, and the vigilance of the enemy is turned towards this area. We've not been spotted yet, right? So far, so good, but we have to be careful, right? Um, and, and this is why, you know, the response is not like, Run! Right? The response by Gandalf is, yeah, we better not... They were planning a leisurely day off, right? They were going to spend an entire 36 hours of rest here in this dell, this sheltered dell that they found in Holland, um, which, which um, 
has a wholesome feel to it, Holland does, right? Um, and so they were hoping to find, you know, physical and perhaps even spiritual rest in this place. Um, but Aragorn is saying, yeah, we should not just hang out for 36 hours, right? We should keep moving because we know that the enemy is is moving, right? Um, can we conclude that Aragorn has better eyesight than a hawk? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, just because he can spot a hawk from the ground doesn't necessarily mean uh, that he can see the hawk in as much detail as the hawk could see him uh, from that height, right? But, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, right. So, okay. So that's the first thing. Now, the second thing. His second sentence. They are not natives here. They are Krabine out of Fangorn and Dunland. He gives this statement very neutrally. He doesn't do any interpretation of it, right? He never hints at what this means. I can think of three reasons why he doesn't say anything further than these are Krabine out of Fangorn and Dunland. Um, that is... Okay, let me be explicit, even if Strider is not. Um, what he hasn't said is, these are spies that work for Saruman. He has not said that, right? Um, I can think of three reasons why he wouldn't say that. One reason is he thinks it's so obvious it doesn't need to be said. Um, a second reason is that he is not wanting to leap to conclusions, right? Um, he is stating the facts and just the facts, Right. Um, and then, you know, leaving it to Gandalf's analysis or to further con uh, further data, you know, to specify uh, the conclusion. Um, wait, I had a third one. Oh, yeah. And my third, the third reason I can think of that why he wouldn't say more is that um, he doesn't need to say more to Gandalf and doesn't want to say more necessarily in front of the rest of the party. Um, that is that he's sort of being discreet here. And Jackie, exactly. The fact that we know, well, we may remember ahead that Aragorn and Gandalf are going to be having some whispered consultations out of other people's hearing um, is, I think, some evidence. Well, it's not evidence to support it, but it's um, indirect anyway. Indirect evidence that suggests perhaps that kind of thing is just what's going on here. Um, uh, so I don't know. I don't know. Um Certainly, the presumptive response. I do think Boromir would understand the reference as well. So the question is, why, right? Why, um, why would he be shy? And again, we know there's some level of shyness and discretion going on, right? We know that Gandalf and Aragorn are not going to talk about this stuff publicly. Why is that? Um, I don't know. Well, let's wait until we see that conversation before we draw too many conclusions about that. Um, all I will say at this point is, because what I think we can say based on what we've seen, is that I think that we've seen Gandalf in particular taking special pains to keep the Hobbit's spirits up in particular, right? Um Many of Gandalf's comments have been directed at the Hobbits or explicitly stated for the benefit of the Hobbits. And I think, therefore, 
um, for Frodo's benefit in particular. Um, you know, Merry and Pippin are fine fellows after all, but I don't think it's their morale that Gandalf is primarily concerned with, right? Um, not that he doesn't care about them at all, um, but again, they're not his primary concern as leader of the party, right? So exactly, Amenmoto, it would suggest that Aragorn is sort of following Gandalf's lead here. Um, yeah, yeah. And agreed, morale is very important in a spiritual war. I mean, we've been looking at this from the beginning of this chapter. Uh, in some ways, I think um, it's been a a sort of low-key recurring theme of the entirety of the Ringo South chapter has been people being mindful of Frodo's like emotional and spiritual condition, right? Um, whether that was in Rivendell before they left or whether that was on the road, as we've seen, um, people understand that Frodo's outlook, um, Frodo's state of mind and the state of his heart are very relevant to the prospects for success of this trip. And I do suspect um, that, uh, uh, that Aragorn is being mindful of this uh, as, we, as we go through. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, okay, so... I do think, though, it is also... I don't want to merely leap myself to the conclusion that he necessarily assumes that it's Saruman and that he just doesn't want to say that in front of people. That may well be true. Um, but I also think... Aragorn himself is also simply being cautious here, right? Um, they can't know, necessarily, that this is Saruman, right? Not to mention the fact um, it is unclear. Gandalf... Um, remember that this is one of the significant differences, very significant differences between the Peter Jackson adaptation and the book, and that is that Saruman does not reveal the Palantir to Gandalf. Gandalf has no idea about the Palantir. I mean, he might possibly have some suspicions, um, but he does not know about the Palantir yet, he, and therefore he does not know the extent to which Saruman is under the command, right, under the under the influence of Sauron. He um, he knows that Sauron is working. I mean, Saruman's uh, recruitment speech, right, uh, made it clear that he was working in active collusion with Sauron. Um, Gandalf's own assessment that he is still, he, Saruman, is still acting in rivalry and not yet uh, in service to Sauron, which is at least partly true. Right. But again, the kind of the line of thinking that we might possibly have, that is that uh, Saruman might have set out, sent out these Kerbine, but he might have done so at the explicit instructions. Right. Um, like, build me a murder of crows worthy of Mordor or whatever. Right. Um, like that might have happened. Um, the genocide of crows might have been might have been Sauron's idea and quite a Saramanic, quite a Sauronic idea, I would say. Uh, not necessarily a Saramonic idea. Um, but um, anyhow, so uh, so yeah, it would be it would be very, you know, 
we start immediately thinking that direction, knowing as we do, right, what Sauron, Saruman's link to Sauron is. Um, can I just say that from my earliest days, I've disliked the fact that Sauron and Saruman's names are so similar, and when trying to talk about them both like this in, a, in single sentences, I find it even more frustrating. But um, uh, anyway... Uh, yeah. So anyhow, um, just use Kuromo and Myron. Yeah, that would be, uh, that would be, um, uh, simpler in one sense, I guess. Um, but, um, anyhow, anyhow. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh man. I will never forget how not, I mean, I did find it confusing in some ways, um, as a kid, but it was, um, more than that. I just like, again, this kind of slip has been really annoying. Um, but um, anyhow, okay, so we make that link, but I don't think that Gandalf would make that link. Um, I certainly don't think that Aragorn would make that, would jump to that conclusion. That is, that the crows might be under Saruman's direction at Sauron's immediate command, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So, anyhow, um, well, so, Bjorning, I think that there are arguments to be made in either direction. Um, that is, on the one hand, if we, we you could see um, Aragorn's caution Right, um, in um, in in coming to this conclusion as something like really detached, and wonder like, would Aragorn be that detached? Is that how he would operate? Um, you know, in something like this, or but again, I think I don't have a difficult time imagining him being um, cautious with this kind of thing. Right, you don't want to leap to conclusions. Um, but he knows where these Krabine, where Krabine like this live, right? And there can't be too many of them left down there, I wouldn't think. Um, yeah, d disciplined in his reasoning. Exactly, exactly. And yes, Jackie, you are right that he's not supposed to speculate here. Um, he's, he's giving his report, right? He's, he's delivering the facts to the one who's in charge and who is supposed to be making decisions, right? And again, on top of that, knowing that he knows Gandalf well enough to know how little he's going to need to say for the two of them to be on the same page, right? Um, so, to some extent, his lack of analysis here, I think, has to do with the fact that little needs to be said. Um, neither one of them may necessarily just simply assume, oh, don't worry, this isn't Sauron, this is just Saruman, right? Um, uh, it's a good thing we don't have to worry, you know, that uh, the, the you know, whatever uh, findings uh, these crows come up with um, are going to get back to Sauron, right? It's a good thing we don't have to worry about that. Um, neither one of them is going to be thinking that. Both of them are too cautious for that. But both of them also know these things are coming from the greater Isengard uh, neighborhood, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, let's see. Uh, Geiger was asking, in Unfinished Tales, wasn't Sauron already distrustful of Saruman at this point for lying to the Nazgul about the location of the Shire? Um, well, yeah, Sauron's always distrustful of people who claim to serve him, right? I mean, it's what it means to be a bad guy, 
right? To be a bad guy means to be truly loyal, truly and self-sacrificingly loyal to no one, um, and uh, to trust that others are not going to be truly and self-sacrificingly loyal to you. If either of you were, you probably wouldn't be bad guys to begin with. The treacherous are ever distrustful, says Belongsmond even uh, more succinctly and aptly uh, than I was uh, than I was saying. But um, yeah, yeah. Um, and oft evil will shall evil mar. Yes, that many times is seen. Uh, uh, Dolores Stroke agreed. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so. Um, Anyway, then his analysis. I do not know what they are about. Here's Aragorn being the most cautious I think he gets in this entire paragraph. I do not know what they are about. Possibly there is some trouble away south from which they are fleeing. But I think they are spying out the land. Okay, yeah, so there are two possibilities for what they're doing, right? One is that they're spying out the land. The other is that the appearance of spying out the land is just a coincidence, right? They're just, um, it's not exactly a migration, right? But they're, um, uh, they're, they're just fleeing from trouble like birds do, you know, something bad happened in the South and they're just crabines seeking a new home and, you know, over a really wide area searching very meticulously for a place, a new place to call home, right? Uh, after, Thousands of them were driven out by something, um, and they're just um, unusually coordinated, <laughs> right in their in their in their hunt. Um, uh, so yeah, it, it's um, uh, not likely, though it is really like probably the most plausible natural explanation, right? Um, and I think that perhaps the very weakness of the theory is kind of telling here, right? And here is the place where I wonder most if Aragorn is not following Gandalf's lead um, in leaving things uncertain for the hobbits, right? Like not, you know, he does not come in and saying like, they're on to us. They're hunting for us. At any moment, right, thousands of crows could descend upon us. He's just like, so there are two possibilities. It might just, it might be a fluke. Might be natural, right? But I think they're spying out the land, right? He doesn't actually pull the punch, right? I, I think it's likelier that they're spying out the land. But the very fact that he opens the possibility, right, um... Yeah, Arden, uh, Arden Gray and I agree. It remind, he says, it reminds me of uh, Frodo saying that the strange men in black cloaks asking for baggins may have nothing to do with him or his business. Yeah, exactly. Um, but he'd rather avoid them all the same. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good parallel right there. Um, uh, yeah, now Silk Westcott asks, is Tolkien the author wish for the first time reader to be confused or uncertain of this as well? I think that even the first-time reader who is reading with care is going to have watched the description of how the Krabine are acting and say, uh, you think that if it comforts you, Aragorn, but, um, you know, howsoever, um, you know, afraid of trouble in the South they might be, crows don't act like that, right? And again, Aragorn's not really asking um, anybody to believe that, right? He's not, like 
you know, doubling down and saying, this is totally what I think is happening, right? In fact, he says, his opinion is that that's, that's not what is happening. But he does offer a natural explanation, right? Like, you can think about this. You can think, of, it is kind of a straw man argument in a way, I think. Um, but, um, uh, but I think there's also, it seems to me, <clears throat> a sense in which he's kind of, um, I don't know, allowing the fearful and out potentially. Um, you know, I'm not going to say it's impossible that uh, they have nothing to do with us, right? Like Frodo saying, maybe those black riders aren't actually searching for us. Um, but I don't think anybody's really convinced by it any more than they were by Frodo's statement. Um, and then he adds, I've also glimpsed many hawks flying high up in the sky. I think we ought to move again this evening. Um, notice, by the way, the conclusion. Hmm, I'll say it a different way. The affirmation implied by that last sentence. I have also glimpsed many hawks flying up in the sky. Conclusion. It was the right choice to travel by night. Um, had they been traveling by day, they would certainly have been visible to hawks flying high up in the sky, right? Now, he is not necessarily, um, he is not necessarily stating that he knows for a fact that the hawks that he's seen have been, like, are definitely of evil intent, right? The crows, it's kind of unarguable, right? I mean, that kind of behavior is just not explicable um, in normal crow behavior, right? Um, crows just don't do that sort of thing without explicit um, uh, explicit instructions. So he And he does not have that kind of a smoking gun with the hawks, right? Um, hawks do fly about high up in the sky, right? Minding their own business, right? That's what hawks do. That's how hawks hunt. So um, you can't prove that. That, you know, that might be a coincidence. It might have nothing to do with them. Um, I think the key word in this sentence, and the reason that Aragorn mentions it, is the word many. I have glimpsed many hawks flying high up in the sky. One or two hawks, you know, whatever. I dismissed it. Hawks happen, right? Um, but I think that his implication is that he has glimpsed enough hawks in the sky that he is suspicious, especially in conjunction with the massive swarm of Krabine that's uh, flying over. Um, and um, I don't think that... Um, If he is implying, as seems very likely, that the Grabine have been sent by Saruman um, because of where they come from, if that is indeed his implication, um, then if that's indeed his implication, then I think we cannot draw any similar conclusions. I think we should be cautious about drawing similar conclusions about the Hawks, right? Um, it is possible 
that the Corbine and the Hawks are working together. That seems rather unlikely to me, though. Um, if you want to... I mean, for instance, it kind of seems to me that um, if... If you have bird spies at your disposal and you want to carefully search out a broad geographical range, um, myself, I would go with the many hawks over the genocide of crows every day of the week, right? Uh, the genocide of crows is a cumbersome way to search the whole, the whole land, right? Um, not only is it inefficient in terms of number of birds, right? Um, but also look at this disturbance it made, right? Um, I mean, no one's going to miss that. And everyone's going, well, look how far off they saw them coming, right? They, I mean, even if they hadn't been hidden, they could have hidden. Um, again, it happens really fast in the film to make it more dramatic. But you'll remember in the book, there's a long ways before, long time passes before they get to them. Right. Had they not been hidden, they probably could have hidden. Right. So whereas a few discrete hawks or even many discrete hawks flying up in the sky so high that you can barely see them. Well, that's a much more efficient way to get it done, uh, I would say. Um, uh, so um, uh, so yeah, it, there is a chance that the crows are a plan B. Uh, that is that is possible. Um, but I also kind of think that, again, I would think that Aragorn, at least, with the kind of caution that he's been showing in his report so far, would likely suggest, um, would likely remain open to the, the possibility um, there might be one, more than one set of interested parties spying out this area. And I think that that is one of the things that is reflected in his use of the passive voice in the last sentence of the paragraph. It is being watched. Holland is no longer wholesome for us. It is being watched. By whom? Right? He has put that it is being watched in the passive voice, I think in part because he is not claiming that he knows for sure who exactly is watching it. Right? Um, Saruman, of course, is a likely candidate but it, there might be more than him. Are the hawks sent by somebody else? Are the hawks um, the, you know, is, are the, do the hawks come from Sauron and the crows from Saruman? Or maybe unlikely the other way around, right? Or somebody else. I mean, people were talking about, you know, we know that Radagast is friends with the eagles, at least we, uh, yeah, no, we, we know that that Radagast is friends with the eagles. Maybe he's friends with hawks too, right? Maybe maybe this is Radagast trying to figure out where they are so he can help. Who knows, right? Um, but, uh, but in any case, so, you know, maybe they're not even all malicious, but one way or another, Holland is no longer wholesome for us. And of course, his use of the word um, uh, wholesome, right, um, is very conspicuous because that was Gandalf's word, right? He's reversing Gandalf's earlier um, proclamation about Holland, right? That, um, that, ho that there's a wholesome air to Holland um, because the elves once lived there. Um, and so now he's saying Holland is no longer wholesome 
for us in a totally different sense, right? It's not that Holland has been corrupted and that the air's bad now or whatever, but um, it's um, it's definitely um, any wholesomeness that might that we that we might have gained from Holland has expired, right? It's time for us to go. We shouldn't rest. But again, notice how he's not stepping on Gandalf's toes. Aragorn is being very circumspect here. He's not even making recommendations. You'll notice, right? He doesn't say, I think this is what we should do at any point. Um, he's being cautious in drawing conclusions about the data that he has observed. He's very thorough in his data, right? He's gathered quite a bit of data. Um, uh, he presents that clearly and carefully. He is cautious about jumping to conclusions about it. Um, he draws a conclusion about the situation. Holland is being watched and is therefore no longer wholesome for us. Um, but he doesn't suggest anything. He doesn't even put forward an idea for what they should do or how they should change what they do, right? Um, Aragorn plainly is respecting Gandalf's authority as the leader of this expedition. There is no question who is in charge and who is the decision maker in this company. Um, yeah, exactly, Bjorning, I agree. He all but says we must move on um, why doesn't he just say it? Because he's respecting Gandalf. He's making his recommendation to Gandalf clear. He's making it pointedly clear in using the word wholesome, right? Gandalf suggested that they stay for 36 hours in that spot because of the wholesomeness of Holland, right? That it would do them good to rest and best of all to rest here, right? Um, and so he's like, wholesomeness of Holland revoked, Right. Just saying, <laughs> right? Um, the obvious recommendation from this is that we should not, in fact, stay an extra night here. And Gandalf, of course, immediately, um, uh, immediately asserts that conclusion, right? Um, uh, in fact, notice what Gandalf says. I love this. As for moving as soon as it is dark, I am afraid you are right. <laughs> I think we... No, I'm sorry. I'm skipping a sentence. Look at me. Gandalf does say, I think we ought to move again. Or Aragorn does say, I think we ought to move again this evening. Right? So he does make a recommendation. Take it all back. Take it all back. See? I skipped a sentence. I jumped ahead because I was excited about the passive voice uh, at the end of the sentence. He does say, I think we ought to move again this evening. So he does make a recommendation. Right? He does make a recommendation. Um, I know, right? See what happens when you skip sentences, Barry dear? Oh my goodness. Um... Right, so he does make a recommendation, um, though he still is doing that very respectfully and cautiously, right? I think we ought to move again this evening. Holland is no longer wholesome for us. So he's backing it up with that state, with that, with that reversal, right? Um, Holland is no longer wholesome for us. That is, um, it's going to be, it is likely to be a net loss if we stay here, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, Drasnake, you're right. Um, Aragorn is going to be taking over as the leader of the Fellowship in a few days. That is really interesting to think about. It is a matter of days before Aragorn is going to be the leader of this party. That is, uh, that is fascinating. That is fascinating. And a few decades for us. Not quite decades, Drasnake. Uh, um, yes, yes. Months. Probably months. Um, Gandalf's response, and in that case, 
so is the Redhorn Gate. And how we can get over that without being seen, I cannot imagine. But we will think of that when we must. As for moving as soon as it is dark, I am afraid that you are right. Oh, man. Okay. Yes, I think we're definitely getting a preview of their disagreement here. Yeah, for sure. Um, Gandalf is definitely saying a bunch of things without saying things here, right? Um, Clearly, Gandalf is concerned about crossing over the Redhorn Gate. But Aragorn has argued in its favor, right? Um, So Gandalf takes this opportunity to put something, to register this towards that argument, right? Remember what you said about being watched next time we debate about what path we should take, right? How we can get over the Redhorn Gate without being seen, I cannot imagine, right? If Holland is no longer wholesome for us, how bad, how exposed will we be on the Redhorn Pass, right? Um, But we will think of that when we must. We'll think of that when we must. Um, We don't have to talk about it right now. Um, The decision, they've not reached the decision point on that. So Gandalf is just kind of, uh, you know, earmarking this page for further discussion uh, later on. Um, Jackie, it is kind of like Aragorn and Gandalf aren't going to argue. They're like mom and dad not arguing in front of the kids, right? Um, Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool, Dan, thanks. Dan was just checking in the tale of years. Gandalf's fall in Moria is almost exactly a week after this incident. Yeah, there we go. Um, yep, yep. Um, right, but we will think of that when we must. As for moving on as soon as it is dark, I am afraid that you are right. Um, he agrees with him. Um, you can tell that Gandalf is reluctant. He thought that it was important for them to rest and to recover. Um, but agrees that the the balance, right, the net, uh, 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 what they should do is really um, to move on as soon as it is dark. Um, yeah, luckily our fire made little smoke and it burned low before the Krabine come before the Krabine came, said Aragorn. Um, again, notice his last remark, I think like his first remark returns to the idea, I don't think we were spotted, right? Luckily, we weren't spotted. We had a fire, right? Um, That was, um, is there a little bit of, well, not rebuke, but sort of suggestion there, right? I mean, he's going to say it must be put out and not lit again, right? Um, He's going to make a strong recommendation there. That's much stronger than I think we ought to move again this evening, right? It must be put out and not lit again. Right. Um, Gandalf, didn't you say something about um, listening to the recommendations of a ranger? If that ranger is Aragorn, well, here's my recommendation. No more fires. Right. Um, uh, but, but, but we're fine. Right. Um, 
we're fine. We, we weren't spotted. We weren't spotted. They don't know where we are yet. There's no cause to panic after this incident. What they know, though, is that a search is happening. That's not new information. They knew the enemy was going to be searching, right? Um, yeah. Now, Anatar's gift seat. What a great name that is. Um, <laughs> what is the real threat of the party being spotted, at least in the immediate future, with the crows alert the orcs slash Balrog and Moria? Um, I'm not sure. I really am not. I think that it's possible. Possible, mind. Um, as I suggested, um, Saruman, if Saruman is indeed behind the Krabine, which seems likely, um, if Saruman is behind the Krabine, they're kind of OP, right? I mean, uh, this is a lot of spies to set out, right? To send out, um... I mean, it's like the difference between sending out scouts to explore the land and, like, a row of searchers marching across a field, you know, searching every square foot, right? Um, that's a pretty intense way to search a significant slice of continent, right? Um, uh, but that's what they seem to be doing. Has he sent so many uh, to search here so that they could do something about them themselves, right? I mean, do the Corbine have orders to attack if they do find anything suspicious? They could do. I mean, there are enough of them. What, are, what, would, what would the company do if the Corbine did find them, right? And they were being attacked by... 10,000 crows, right? How could you possibly not be killed by that many crows all attacking at once, right? You don't even have to have seen Hitchcock to be concerned about that. Um, uh, I don't know. It would truly be a murder of crows and draws naked. You know, genocide of crows might be an exaggeration, but do they have orders to kill any parties of humans that they, you know, like humans or hobbits that they find in the wilderness in this area? It's possible. I mean, there are enough of them to do this. And um, and there seem to me to be rather too many merely to scout, right? Um, uh, yeah. So... Um, So I don't know. Um, there are many places in almost all visual adaptations. Almost all visual adaptations play fast and loose with time and distances. Almost all of them do. Um, goodness knows the Rings of Power show does. Um, uh, it's okay. 
I'm good at suspending disbelief, so I just try not to think too much about the distances people are traveling and the times in which they're supposed to be doing that. I'm fine with it. Um, but you have to do exactly the same thing with the Peter Jackson films. Gandalf's trip to, uh, to Isengard from the very beginning. It's not just the bunny sled in the Hobbit films. That gets the most... Uh, people always bring that one up, right? Um, but it's just as bad. Uh, in the Lord of the Rings films. Gandalf's trip to Isengard. Gandalf's trip to Minas Tirith and back, right? Um, uh, the Krabine, right? Um, the Krabine, which fly over and apparently do see the company, um, even though they cunningly hide from, from them. Um, and then they fly down to Isengard and are there in like 10 minutes, right? Uh, uh, apparently. Um, uh, so, um, uh, anyway, I mean, that's... Um, uh, uh, that is it's what they always do right um, Tolkien is not going to do that kind of thing right at least not often is he going to do that kind of thing he's pretty careful um, uh, he's pretty careful with this sort of thing in the books um, is it realistic to say is it reasonable to say that what, like, should, I mean, what are they going to do? Send up a messenger flock south? Um, if they had spotted them in this camp, would the entire entourage, right, of like 50,000 crows or however many they are, all turn around and fly south uh, to report back to Saruman? Would they send a few of them back? Would they just do their whole sweep and then report the whole thing? What? What would they do? I mean, I don't know what Saruman would be asking them to do exactly. It doesn't seem to me necessarily all that useful um, for them to fly back and report, because even I mean, flying is gonna is gonna be obviously much faster than walking um, or riding a horse. But you've still got to think it's gonna take what days. And then what's Saruman going to do about it? So now he knows. So what? Right? What exactly is he going to plan to do? Right? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, it's, you know, they return back with their message. And then he sends some winged servant back. Even then they're going to be several days journey away from where they were spotted. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, I don't really, uh, I don't really know what is likely to be accomplished here. Um, this is why it kind of seems to me more likely that Saruman has sent, if Saruman has indeed sent out the Krabine, um, that he sent them out with different orders, search over the whole land. And if you find any halflings, uh, kill them, rip them to pieces, and bring me every shiny thing that they have on them. Right? By the way, that's kind of a very um, Corvid-oriented command to give, right? I mean, if there are any birds that are capable of following through on that particular set of orders, it would be something in the crow family, wouldn't it? Right? So, yeah. Um, uh, if you see halfling creatures, right? Peck their eyes out, bring me everything shiny that they have. Um, right? I mean, if 
he does seem to have some kind of control over them. Um, they seem to be following his orders. Again, in as much as they are acting very, very unnaturally. He must have, whoever sent them, must have some power to, you know, prompt them, right, to act unnaturally. But I don't think, um, um, but I don't think that uh, it's, I don't think there's any reason to believe that Saruman could, like, telepathically communicate with his Krabine servants, if he has them, right? Um, it is possible that if a crow found the ring, then instead of the Dark Lord, we'd have a bird. Uh, that is possible. And yes, they do love shiny things. Um, uh, but again, they're under some, they seem to be under some sort of compulsion to act in the way that they're acting. Um, could he compel them also to bring back the shiny things? I don't know. I think that that's, uh, I think that's possible. Um, but, um, but in any case, I, I just, um, I, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, mere messengers seem really unlikely or seem really inefficient in any case, right? Um, so if that's true... Now, so the hawks, though, again, the not the hawks, the crows are equipped to take action independently. There's plenty of them, right? I mean, with as many crows as there are, they could take on as large a company as, uh, uh, as, uh, as Rivendell might have wanted to send, right? Um... Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Madagat, I... It's not that I don't think it's believable that he would send bird spies out to gain information. It's just harder to see what he hopes to gain exactly from that. Um, especially since, again, I don't think there's any reason to believe that he's, like, seeing through the eyes of the birds or whatever. What report is he going to get from birds and how? Right? Are they going to come back and be like... Okay, here's our report for the last five weeks, right? We searched over these hundreds of square miles and we saw a whole bunch of things, including, you know, here's the like humans that we saw and kind of where vaguely they were. There's probably going to be more than one group of humans, maybe, right? I don't know. I mean, it's a long, big, huge area. Um, um, even if there is one of them that can talk, like Roach, um, Fourth Dauntless. Still, what can what what is he going to get? Like maybe he would get one with enough intelligence, or a group of them with enough intelligence that they could do their own analysis, uh, right, and provide him a sufficiently detailed report that would be useful to him. But I don't know. I mean, all of that, um, uh, all of that does not seem very convincing to me. Um, again, it just seems like I get what is Saruman hoping for, right? Um, what's he going to do about it? What's Saruman going to do about it if he finds them? Or if he finds people who might have been them? Or if he finds the place where people who might have been them were a week ago, you know, um, after he went, by the time he hears the report? Um, I don't get it, right? I don't understand um, what he thinks 
exactly that would accomplish. Um, can Saruman speak to birds in their own secret tongues like Gandalf is said to be able to do? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Now, yeah, Johannes, I agree that um, some information is better than no information at all. I agree. Um, but I agree. But I'm just saying I just come back to the sheer number of crows here, right? This is not the only or the best way to do this. Crabine aren't, they don't have a hive mind. Crows don't have a hive mind, right? Um, I mean, they're all splitting up in multiple flocks and spinning around and covering the land. Like, seriously, what's he gonna, I, the, how many Roaks does he have? Right? Is there a troop leader in each one who's going to give an individual report? Right? Do the crows get together every night when they when they stop to rest and you know pool their information? And I, I just I just don't get it. Right? I just that does not seem. I don't see how he's going to get the information. I get, sure, maybe he can communicate with the birds, but they're still birds. <laughs> I mean, like, it doesn't make them super smart birds just because he can speak their secret languages. Um, even if they do have a Roach, who is clearly very smart and indeed substantially wiser than Thorin, um, though at that particular stage in Thorin's career, that's no great master, you might say. But nevertheless, um, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it just does. Whereas with that many crows, to to be a little bit more ruthless about it, um, and say, yeah, um, kill anybody that you find, bring their shiny stuff back. Uh, that seems to me to work, but, um, uh, I don't, so it's conceivable that they could be spirits, um, not real crows. They could be spiritual crows. That is conceivable. Um, But I rather doubt it. Um, yeah, yeah. I um, yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, see, Aspen, that's exactly what I can't see any possible mechanism for. Um, like. How could he calibrate the Palantir to see through the eyes of the Krabine? And another thing. Why would he need the bloody Krabine if he's got a Palantir? Right? Why would he need it? Um... See, Bjorning... First of all, the text says birds and beasts are his spies. Whose spies? Does it say that about Saruman? We're told that about Saruman? I don't think we're told that about Saruman, right? Um, the hawks, I believe. The hawks, I believe. Probably. Probably spies. Might be a coincidence. But the Hawks are probably spies. 
That's how you spy. Um, can Saruman direct the Palantir without Sauron also seeing? It automatically goes to Sauron. Does Sauron never let him, that is Saruman, use the Palantir for anything else? No, Palantiri don't just see other Palantiri. Um, some of them are associated with each other, but you can use it. Um, Denethor makes it pretty clear that in his Palantir, he he has seen... He, know, he doesn't need Gandalf's news about what happened in Rohan because he... Um, he saw it in the Palantir. He knows what happened, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, okay. I still continue to think a swarm of Krabine this large seems to me like serious overkill for what Saruman is doing. Um, I've been talking about what a, what a huge swath of land these Krabine are, um, are searching, right? And that's true. But at the same time, you could just as well say that um, the area of land they're searching is only a little slice of the entire land that needs to be searched, right? Um, he can't have more than one genocide of crows to distribute. I mean, this is a lot of Krabine, right? Um, if there are this many Krabine searching out multiple areas in like eight different directions, uh, then, you know, I mean, how could, how could Fangorn and Dunland possibly support that kind of a population? Uh, of uh, of Krabine, right? Um, so yeah, I um, uh, I don't think it's hard for me to imagine. Um, it's hard for me to imagine that he th this look this has to be a huge percentage of the Krabine from Fangorn and Dunland, with the way that this is described, right? Um, so, um, yeah, yeah. Hawks wouldn't attack crows. Hawks don't attack crows. Um, hawks that eat rodents. Falcons attack birds. Um, hawks don't attack birds generally. Um, they attack, I don't think they're going to attack crows for sure anyway. Crows are as big as they are. Um, uh, a falcon might try to take a crow, maybe. But, I don't, but hawks, hawks, um, hawks hunt things that move about on legs. Um, hawks will eat pigeons? Well, maybe. Um, especially when they sp in cities where they spend all their time walking around on the ground like the prey of hawks. Um, but, um, uh, and chickens, for the same reason, Jackie. Um, that is, they hunt things that walk around on the ground. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, a bird that is walking around on the ground all the time, like a chicken or a pigeon, may well get attacked by a hawk. Um, but, um, uh, uh, but I don't think um, they're going to catch birds on the wing 
like that. That's not how hawks hunt generally. Um, uh, falcons do. That's what falcons do. That's what makes falcons different. Um, but um, uh, but uh, but the hawks generally um, um, hunt things on the ground. Um, Right, crows will mob hawks and eagles. That I can easily imagine, Gilga Lady. And um, uh, there are the hawks outnumber the crows here substantially. I cannot imagine that one of these thousands and thousands of crows flying around is in any way afraid of howsoever many hawks there are, unless unless the sky is dark with hawks above them. I don't think they're going to be uh, they're going to be intimidated. Um. Anyway, okay. You may ask, why am I spending this kind of time on this question? Um, why am I worrying so much about the Krabine and the Hawks um, when we have so little information? Um, it is one of the things that I find so fascinating about this whole section of this chapter. Um, throughout their journeys from Holland onwards, we're going to get a number of strange things which the text is not going to explain. It's never going to explain. We're never going to be told. We're never going to find out the answers to these questions. If we don't ask them now, we'll never know, right? Um, and I want to see what kind of uh, what kind of things we can put together, right? Um, uh, I wa I'm trying to do a reading that makes most sense to try to think this through in ways that normally, when reading through the text, I'm too hurried to think it through. Right. Um, um, but yeah, trying to figure out what the heck is going on in Holland is exactly is exactly here. Um, so Bjorning, that's where I'm kind of, that's why I'm focusing on this is that I think there's a lot of Tolkien does an unusual amount of hinting at backstories. Right. And I want to try to see if we can figure out if or how close we can come to figuring out what Tolkien was thinking was going on at this point. Um, if you think about it, we know almost nothing about what the enemy is actually doing, right? Um, we get the Black Riders have, you know, chased Frodo to the fort. And so we've been in touch with the Black Riders through all of Book One. Right, the the Black Riders are the embodiment of the evil, searching will of the enemy. Right, uh, closing in on them, chasing them down, um, stabbing Frodo, um, all the stuff that they do. Right, so we're in continuous touch with like what the enemy is up to and how the enemy is acting. Um, uh, but since the beginning of Book Two, we know nothing, and we will carry on knowing nothing until basically the beginning of book three, right? The very end of book two, maybe, right? When orcs show up again, when they're attacked by orcs, but even then we won't know really until book three what the orcs there were up to, where they came from and what they're doing, right? Um, in between, we have little idea. We're told almost nothing. What is Sauron doing? What's he up to? Again, I know in some other, like, you know, we get some evidence of this kind of stuff from like Appendix B uh, and from Unfinished Tales and elsewhere. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about within this narrative, right? Within this story as Tolkien has written it. 
Um, book two is this sort of cla- curtain is drawn in front of the bad guys. And it's a mystery, right? Um, there's the doubt. There's the question. Like we, we remember we started this chapter by sending out spies, right? Um, the the people of Rivendell, Aragorn among them, um, scouting out the land, all around Rivendell to try to figure out what is the enemy doing, what's he planning, what does he know, what conclusions is he drawing, and how might he act as a result of those conclusions, right? Those were the things that we began this chapter being told to ask about, being told to wonder about. And we're not going to get any direct information about that in order to answer those questions ever, right? Or at least not until we can begin to piece some things together from the vantage point of book three. So this is one of the questions I mean to be asking. What can we figure out about that? What do we see? Um, the narrative places us in this really interesting position. And as happens so often, where exactly the narrative places us is in the position of the hobbits. Wide-eyed, along for the ride, wondering what's going on, right? I don't doubt that Gandalf has some shrewd ideas about what Saruman and Sauron both might be up to. I bet you Aragorn has some theories. We're not going to hear them what those ideas and what those theories are. Instead, here we are as readers, shoulder to shoulder with Sam, right, in this past episode, right, as we will be um, with Pippin in uh, other episodes, right, with Frodo in some episodes of book two here. Um, And we're left wondering, um, what is the enemy? Is the enemy going to find us? If the enemy does find us, what is he going to do, right? Um, What is that going to mean? What is it? He's sending out spies. What spies? What is that going to look like? Is the are there are is are, are there monsters that are going to be chasing us? Is I, I do I have to like are the you know are the very trees spying on us? Right? What what is what is happening? Right? Um, and we don't know. So partly, I want to draw attention to how little we know for sure. Right. But I think it's fun to look carefully at what we are told and to see if there is any way in which we are being given information that we can put together. Um, Because we've read this story before, right? We are no longer just like the hobbits, right? Um, We have more knowledge than Gandalf does, as was evident from earlier this evening, right? We know, as Gandalf does not, that he is scheduled to plummet to his own tomb in seven days' time, right? Gandalf doesn't know that, um, but we do. Um, Yeah, yeah. Um, So, anyhow, um, I think that we... This is... This is why I'm asking these questions. Um, At the very least... I think that we pr- we have definitely a genocide of crows and probably hawks 
who are definitely spying out the land. The minimum conclusion, the safe conclusion that Aragorn feels confident in saying is that Holland is being watched. This whole area is being watched. He doesn't think they've been spotted yet. They're still okay, but they have to be very careful. Um, that we know for sure. But this is where I cannot help but follow that up with questions um, about why this way? How is this supposed to work? What is Tolkien himself, perhaps, feeling out, um, implying about the powers and the plans of the bad guys, of the enemies? One thing that I think, even though you guys aren't, many of you aren't willing to go along with me, in the idea that the crows have possibly been sent out as a literal murder squad instead of simply as spies. Um, uh, but nevertheless, I think we would all have to agree that the fact that they have been sent out and that the, um, uh, the way in which we see them acting really does prove that they are under the control and instructions. Like, they are they are not acting according to their own natures, right? They've not just been told, hey, fly over this region, come back and tell me what you see, right? They are operating with a military precision that is wholly unnatural to crows. Um, and so, they are, in some sense, under the direction or acting under the instructions of some other will that is directing them that has directed them how to do. Um, um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, in part, I do want to not theorize ahead of data. In part, I'm wanting, I'm wanting to be cautious about it. But I do want to, because I know there's, gonna, there's only a limited amount of data. We're never going to get more data about the Corbine. We're done with data. That's why I'm talking about this after this paragraph. Because after this paragraph, we're done with Corbine. We'll never, we'll never talk about them again. Um, uh, I shall, I shall never discuss, discuss uh, uh, genocides of crows after this evening for the rest of my life. Um, so I want to think it through. Um, that's, that's. So, so yeah. But again, it, it's really limited, right? The data that we get is really limited. Um, <laughs> that doesn't sound like a true statement. Okay, probably not. Probably not. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, yeah. Um, we do know that Sauron invests his will in orcs, um, as we can see when they break and run after his defeat. Absolutely. We absolutely do know that. We absolutely do know that. Um, can Saruman do a similar kind of thing? Um, yeah. Ah, Fourth Dauntless. We're getting there. I will have similar questions. Indeed, I will have even more pointed questions about the wolves when we get to the wolves. Um, yeah, yeah. So we'll, um, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, okay. Let's see. Um, all right. Johannes says, wouldn't they be attacking everyone they find then? Um, 
Uh, yeah. No, exactly. I think I, that would be why I would suggest there's so many of them. Um, yeah, I mean, unless they meet like an army of 10,000 on the march, that many crows, seriously, you got 10,000 crows? You think 10,000 10, crows couldn't kill, you know, 10 people in the open? 20 people in the open? 50 people? 100 people in the open? You know, 100 crows per person? I bet you they could take out, you know, 10,000 crows could take out uh, uh, could take out 100 people. Um, you know, um, yeah. Not 100 archers like movie Legolas? No way, man. 100 archers would not be able to... How many... How many uh, what percentage of a hundred crows flying towards you do you think an archer could take out before they arrived, right? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Hitchcock certainly thought so. Indeed. Um, indeed. Um, would Saruman use birds? He dismissed Radagast as a mere bird tamer. Uh, Dr. Benway, thank you for bringing that up. I've been meaning to mention that. That's one of the, my favorite things about the idea of this being Saruman, right? Um, that... Um, that there's a there's a, there's a sort of delightful irony here, but I think that uh, there could be more to it, right? Um, uh, yeah, Doctor Benway, the point would be, um, Radagast. It's not about looking down on birds exactly, uh, though. Of course, you'll notice how that irony comes in immediately with the bird coming to help Gandalf escape, right? But um, but anyway, um, Radagast merely tames them, right? Um, who is Radagast? He's a friend of birds, right? What does Radagast do with birds? Befriends them, right? That's what's lame. Um, it's not dealing with birds at all, which is lame, right? It's merely being buddies with birds that is lame. And that's what Radagast does. Right. He makes friends of birds. What use is that? Um, but if you can gather together an entire genocide of crows, assert your will over them, and cause them to perform this action, there you go. That, um, that's the way right there. Right. That's the. Uh, uh, that's that's how it's done, Radagast. This is how the pros roll. Right. Um, yeah, where did the ten thousand figure come from? I'm throwing it out there. Um, I'm guessing, but it seem it's a lot of crows. I mean, they stretch for miles. Um, this flock of crows. Um, so yeah, I, I, it, the description of them, um, it stretches for miles and miles. I mean, I think there have to be thousands of crows. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that's interesting, Fourth Dauntless. We know that Saruman has an experimental ring. Perhaps this is a test. Ah, I like that idea. I like that idea. Um, it's a medievalist 10,000. <laughs> oh, ouch. Ouch. I assume that's a, uh, a, a medieval historiography joke, uh, Fourth Dauntless. Uh, no, if I were a medieval historiographer, uh, I would say that there were, uh, uh, there were 500,000 crows at the very least, right? Uh, possibly several million. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yep, yep. But I, but no, I mean, again, and I also, um, the, the number that, um, uh, the number that, the reason, the other thing I think that inspired my round number of 10,000 is simply like we talked about before when we were discussing this several weeks ago, uh, the sight of the, of the flock of birds, um, and the size of it moving. Um, you know, several of us shared stories of seeing enormous, uh, flocks of migratory birds that stretch out over miles. Um, you know, from my, I, I mean, I've seen, you know, a cornfield, acres and acres and acres of a cornfield covered with birds, right? Just alive, this black seething mass of birds on the ground as they're resting in their migratory journey. Um, uh, I, I've seen that many times. Down in Delaware, we used to get that all the time. And um, it's, I, I cannot even estimate how many, like, how many birds uh, were there in those fields, right? I mean, you're talking about dozens of acres of open field, just completely carpeted with birds. Um, and that's the kind of description that we're getting. It's That's the kind of, uh, that's definitely what I feel like I'm being asked to picture um, when picturing these crows. Even the description of the, of the flock that flies directly overhead, remember they're so close together, it darkens the sky, right? This is not just like, you know, 15 or 20 crows that fly overhead. I mean, in order to f- to make the kind of flock that is described by Sam in the previous passage, you'd need hundreds of birds in that flock to make that dense of flock flying over them. Um, and that's just one little part of the entire, you know, that peeled off from the major thing. So um, I'm still... I'm still thinking uh, that uh, 10,000 seems to me to be a fairly conservative estimate of the number of crows that we uh, that seem to be uh, that seem to be described here in this passage. Um, Yeah. Could they be darkening the sky for troops on the ground? We don't see. Uh, I have to think um, Aragorn would have twigged to that at some point. Right. Um, Have to think so. Yeah. 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 Um, well, that's interesting. Uh, Spielkalb says uh, in Berlin, I've seen flocks of clo- crows darkening the sky. Yeah, sure. Sure. Um, uh, yes. Um, right. Amount of God, I doubt he counted them. Uh, it's hard to do. Hard to do in that instance. But again, it's it's a lot is all I'm saying. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um Okay. Um, all I'm saying is I would not underestimate the strike force capacity of that many crows searching out the land. Um, they are cl- clearly searching out the land. That they are spying is not my question. Um, that all they're going to do is peacefully spy and then rush back to report if they find something is what I slightly doubt. And I, I, I at least have some doubt that that is all that this massive genocide of crows would be good for. And I question their their internal communication uh, and uh, chain of command and operations 
uh, here in order to in order to pull that out uh, in order to to pull that off um, but um, anyway uh, yes so I would I, I do think that there's a risk of them spotting the company um, uh, it's more than the risk of them spotting the company. It's the risk of them attacking the company. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. Um, Geiger Saruman has... Yeah, Saruman has an Air Force. Yeah, Saruman has an Air Force. I mean, yes. And that, by the way, is kind of interesting, actually, don't you think? Um, and actually, doesn't that seem kind of Saruman to you? Right? Like, so, remember that um, Morgoth never had an Air Force. Well, not until the very end. Right, um, his innovation of an air force came eventually, but it came very late in the game. Right, it's not until the Winged Dragons uh, that Morgoth had any air power whatsoever, um, and then they got into an air battle and then lost. Right, um, but um, oh, Mad Violinist wants to know where were the Krabine at the Battle of Helm's Deep? Well, if I were thinking I was going to be afraid of uh, that I was going to be attacked by 10,000 crows, um, what I would do is get behind a stone uh, wall, <laughs> basically, right? I would, I, would, I would get inside some stone battlements, um, inside a stone fortress. I'd, I'd, um, I'd, it would be... Um, that's not the best way to deploy your Krabine Air Force, I think. Uh, under those circumstances. Um, yeah, or hide in the glittering caves. Exactly, yeah. Um, it would, um, you know, these are not... Um, uh, uh, what, do we know there's no overhead cover? Mad Violinist? I'm not sure we do. I mean, up on the battlements, there's no overhead cover. Um, uh, but, um, but yeah, it's also, it's also, it's also dark. Um, they would not be at their best there. Um, kind of hard to get the um, the crows and the orcs coordinated in an assault at the same time when the crows work best by day and the orcs definitively do not. Um, but um, anyway. Um, yeah. Is it any more unnatural than the behavior they're showing now? Uh, but it's not about naturalness of behavior. It's about like their specs. How good is the night vision of crows? Like how much would they be capable of doing? Um, uh, yeah, Trifle says, if Sauron's the one behind the crows, where are they at the Pelennor, frankly? Um, yes, yes. Ah, there we go. Emherd, that's interesting. Um, uh, uh, the original, the first word here, which we ignored, I didn't even talk about that word, so thank you for bringing that up, is that regiments of crows. Um Regiments are typically uh, 3,000 to 5,000 or so. Aragorn says that regiments are flying, uh, plural, are flying all over the land, so it seems likely that 10,000 might be too few of a guess. Um, very possible. Very possible. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, okay. Um, that's modern, but at the same time, a legion of... Uh, uh, a Roman legion is four thousand, so that's that's not that's still I think uh, uh, within the range uh, that we can see there. So, um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, the point is, a regiment is a. This is not like 
that's a word that conveys more quantity than merely like he's not just saying there were dozens of crows right he's or even just saying there were hundreds of crows um he's using a military metaphor and the military the military metaphor that he's using is a big one right um could be bigger like a regiment isn't the isn't the largest military grouping right but it's uh it's not um uh it's not a small one either yeah yeah um yeah. Arden Sauron, I can't imagine that it's not both. Um, taking regiments to mean they're organized, uh, to speak of their organization, um, rather than as an estimate of their numbers. I, 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 I got to think it's both. I mean, again, the, the military metaphor is um, uh, apposite. Right? I mean, that's significant here. Um, it is a characterization of how they were operating of how they were flying as well but it i think it's hard to separate that from the question of numbers as well notice he says nothing else in the entire description that conveys anything about how many there were right that word regiments is aragorn's only gesture in his report about like did i mention that <laughs> there was a truly unsettling number of crows it's not just that there are Krabine from Fangorn and there's like a few flocks flying around and we got to watch out for those, right? Like, this was, you know, Hitchcockian levels of creep. Um, that's the only word in which Aragorn points to that, which is a strong emphasis throughout the passage of actual description, is that word regiment. So I think it's definitely, um, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> price gouging, I hear you. Um, there would be incredible quantities of poo, which, by the way, the corollary to that is they would need lots and lots of food. Um, I'm not even sure if uh, Saruman would need to give them instructions not to rip things to pieces uh, if they found them, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, back to... Um, uh, back to thanks for coming, price gouging. Good to good to see you tonight. Glad you could join us. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, it's back to what I was saying about the Air Force, though. Um, Saruman is all about the innovative modern thinking, right? Um, this, when I think about how, frankly, over the top the regiments of crows are like how much you don't need that just to search the land. Again, the cr hawks are probably are going to see as much of the land, uh, as the regiments of crows are right. But the crows can do something the hawks can't do. And that's kill things, right? Hawks can kill things too, but squirrels, right? Not humans so much. Um, uh, I, this that's why it has to me the feeling of an innovation, which is another thing that makes me think it's Saruman, right? Um, that Saruman is thinking like, hmm, bird spies, we can do better than bird spies, right? Um, and um, he would, in this land, in this area, um, my also, it would be my guess that Saruman is deploying what has to be his only genocide. I cannot believe that he has multiple genocides of crows at his disposal. I think he's just he's sending it in this part because he suspects that this is the direction that Gandalf is going to come. Um, 
Saruman has an advantage over Sauron in this whole thing, and that is he knows the people involved better than Sauron does. Um, he knows Saruman. He's, he knows Gandalf. He knows Elrond um, better than Sauron does, right? Um, and so you got to think that Saruman is down there in Isengard saying, um, where are they likeliest to go? Lorien. I bet you they're going to take the ring to Lorien. Or at least through Lorien, right? Um, so, um, so yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Forthala says, I like that genocide of crows has now become an actual thing instead of a chat joke. No, I love it. I love it. It's, it's a great way to convey exactly how many crows we're talking about here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Wouldn't he be worried about the Dark Queen? You betcha he is. I think that's why he deployed the genocide of crows, <laughs> right? Um, he does not want that to happen, right? Um, he does not. Uh, I think that Saruman probably has a short list of people in Middle-earth whom he does not want to have the Ring of Power, right? And I'm just going to go out on a limb and guess that Galadriel is the number two person on Saruman's personal list, right? Uh, Saruman's top five list of people he hopes do not end up with the Ring of Power. Sauron's got to be number one, obviously, because that's game over. But um, Galadriel, got to be number two, right? Got to be number two. Um, And... uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, is Caliborn on the list? I don't know. No, I don't think Gandalf is number two. Um, and here's why. Gandalf could have had it. He knows Gandalf found it. But Gandalf didn't have it. You know, remember when we talked about the scene in Orthanc? He seems to believe that... He seems, you know, to assume that Gandalf would have the ring. Right? Um... But Gandalf doesn't have the ring. He's seen that. He's proven that, right? Um, so he, um, so I think that he's um, less worried about Gandalf. Not that he's not worried about Gandalf, but I think he's less worried about Gandalf than he's worried about others. Um, does Saruman know about Aragorn? Probably, maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. Probably not. Well, I don't know. I'm waffling. Um, I'm waffling. I know that Gandalf is wondering whether he's going to, you know, know that Aragorn was there or whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah. But that doesn't prove that he doesn't know he exists. I don't think April Daydream, that's what I'm asking. Like, what reason do we have to think that Aragorn's identity... Can, now, surely he knows about the Dúnedain, right? That a chieftain of the Dúnedain... Like, that the line of Isildur is still alive in the north? Surely Saruman knows that. Right? He's got to know that. Um, 
He's got to know that. See, Alorea, I am not convinced that Saruman shares any more information with Sauron than he has to. Um, I think if Saruman didn't ask, he didn't tell. Um, I don't think Saruman is as, in, as enslaved as fully as that. I really, I really don't. I really don't. Um, but we're digressing. We can talk about this more another day. I'm going late here uh, because I am really having fun imagining the genocide of death crows, like the death regiments of crows that he's, uh, that Saruman might have sent out here. Um, it's an interesting line of thought. Um, but anyway, yes, it is late and I should let folks go. So, um, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, we're gonna shift to, um, uh, field trip time. And I see I've cunningly, I neglected even to log into Lotro, so I should do that now. Hang on a second. I'll, I'll make that happen here. Um, uh, but uh, thanks to all of you who uh, um, are only able to join us for the book discussion part. Sorry I kept you late here this evening. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll get things going here as soon as we can. All right. I get things started up properly. All right. Uh, let's see. I guess I'll just start following people for the raid then. Good evening. Good evening. Oh, man. Good to be back. Yes. Oh, man, I'm having an issue. Oh, dear. Figures. Figures, I'm having an issue. That, like, the one time... Yeah. Yeah. I tell you though, every time fault. you say, "Oh, not my fault," God damn it, it was your fault. It is funny every time you guys talk about genocide of crows. Though I just have that that bit from the birds in my head, the nimblety novelty now 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 song that the children sing. <laughs> right. Your obligatory creepy children singing music. Right. Exactly. Man, you know, hmm? sorry, I'm having an issue. I'm um, having like a, like a windows issue. Oh I'm like having an issue up the chain from even getting to the point of logging into my, uh, to my Lotro account here this evening. Oh, several steps removed from login, huh? Several steps removed from login. Maybe I was accidentally foresighted to go along with the book discussion this evening because I'm Aww. not going to be able to get into Lotro. Yeah, thank you, JJ, for recalling oh. the uh, blue screen of death face. That's still a, one of my favorite stills uh, from my streaming experience right there. <laughs> that was my fault, that screen capture. Yeah, that's a fantastic screen capture right there, Druid's Fire. That was excellent. Oh, okay, so does it look like a no field trip tonight then? I think I'm going to, sadly, I think I'm going to have to uh, uh, forego it because I, um, I can't, I can't get in. Um, had I thought, and it's, again, it's ironic because I just like clean forgot to log into Lotro before starting class tonight. So I was, 
you know, I just, I didn't even think of it. Had I thought of it, like I normally do, um, I would have discovered this before, which probably would have meant I'd have been like 15 minutes later to class than I was. Um, probably so, 20, given yeah. the thing I sent you. Yeah, probably. So, exactly. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, I think I'm going to have to do no field trip tonight. Because okay. we have issues okay. that I'm looks like I'm not going to be able to resolve this immediately. So, um, okay. Sorry about that, everybody. No, it can't be helped. That's just how it goes sometimes. Can't be helped. That's just the way. So we will, we will come back to things. Um, we're almost done uh, with the Yondershire. So m- maybe next time we'll get to finish the Yondershire, and then after that we can perhaps uh, field trip off to uh, um, uh, to the next. Uh, segments, um, the 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 new areas, um, when uh, mm. that there was okay. a nice uh, lore thing written today about Swan Fleet, and there will be one about Cardolan next week. Cool, mm. cool, yeah, neat. Scenario did a tour of Swan Fleet on the official last week, and he's doing one on Cardolan this week. Cool, on Friday at noon. Cool. Yeah, nice. looking forward to that stuff. Um, All right. Yeah, uh, I know we can't. I can't do Alice tomorrow, unfortunately. Um, I could do this this week, but I can't do that tomorrow night. Um, and then uh, I've got Rings of Power stuff, and then Kansas City, and some Rings of Power stuff while in Kansas City. So um, it'll all be uh, it'll all be good. Um, uh, George Fire, when does the new area go live? Uh, expansion launches on November 8th. November 8th. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. Then, yeah, I think we'll probably actually be done right around that time, actually. It then, ready to... might be available on Bullroar, but everybody have to set up on Bullroar. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be cumbersome. It's a pain. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Amare, you are so right. There is so much content these days. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't have time for it all, especially considering, like... Um, you know, the game content, like we're getting, we continue to get awesome new content from Lotro, of course, and there are um, other Tolkien games, like the Gollum game I've really been interested to play and, and learn more about, but I haven't had time to play it. Um, I saw previews of it, but I haven't had time to play it. Um, and you're consulting on that, aren't you? Yeah. Well, no, no was, not the Gollum the game, one. the dwarf game. The yeah. Dwarf game. Yeah, the dwarf like game. It. Yeah, the dwarf game, the for Gollum which... Game looked really nice. Yeah, I, I I thought it looked really really interesting. So yeah, no anyway, fight, not much fighting at all because Gollum's not a, he's a sneaker, not a fighter. Exactly, it's a it's well, fascinating my, to have that's a my brand. That yeah, have a much less uh, a much lower content game there. But um, I always play hunter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Stand in the back and hope they don't find you. Exactly. All right. But, yeah, yeah, and Beam of the other game we're talking about. The one I am consulting on is the Return to Moria game, the the Casa Doom game. It's the Fourth Age Casa Doom game. Return to Moria in the Fourth Age uh, to uh, try to finally resettle it for the dwarves uh, after the War of the Ring. Um, nice. Uh, should be. Uh, I, I I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be pretty awesome. I've been. Uh, uh, involved in story making for that game, and it's been it's been great fun. So, um, anyway, yeah, we may actually do a thing soon. I don't know. Well, that would be nice. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, uh, sometime soon because I think it's due to release in the spring. Um, uh, so, um, uh, in a relative sense, if they let us, you know, if they give you permission to stream it, heck yeah, we can do that. 
That yeah. would be fun. Yeah. So we're, I'm going to, I'm working on that kind of thing. So we'll see, we'll see what we can do. But um, anyway, yeah, man, I'm in moto. I wish I had a, I wish I had a time turner, but uh, uh, Lyndon Air, looking forward to seeing you at Middlemoot. That'll be fun. Uh, can't wait to get there this weekend. Going to be fun this Saturday and um, we'll be, uh, uh, I'll be, I'll be, yeah, Kansas City this weekend. And well, I'm usually here in New Hampshire over the weekend, so that isn't saying much for the weekend <laughs> after that. But okay, um, I'll be in New Hampshire. Woo-hoo. There you go. You'll be in New Hampshire too, so that'll be good. Uh, um, someday. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Anyway, thanks everybody. Uh, sorry for the anticlimax at the end of the show here tonight, but uh, um, we'll do what we can. I'll get things up in order so that next time we can have our normal field trip and uh, finish up in Yondershire. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night now. Bye.